Volume three, chapter fourteen of A Charming Fellow. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. A Charming Fellow by Francis Eleanor Trollope. Volume three, chapter fourteen. Stiff, tired, and cold, Algernon alighted the next morning at the coach office in London after his night journey. He drove to a fashionable hotel not very far from Lord Seely's house and refreshed himself with a warm bath and a luxurious breakfast by the time that was done it was eleven o'clock in the forenoon he had been considering how best to proceed in a leisurely way during his breakfast and had decided to go to lord seely's house without further delay he knew lady seely's habits well enough to feel tolerably sure that she would not be out of her bed before eleven o'clock nor out of her room before midday he thought he might gain access to his lordship by a coup de main if he so timed his visit as to avoid encountering my lady so he had himself driven to within a few yards of the house and walked up to the well-known door it was a different arrival from his first appearance on that threshold algernon did not fail to think of the contrast and he told himself that he had been very badly used by the whole seely family they had done so infinitely less for him than he had expected the sense of injury awakened by this reflection was as supporting to him as a cordial the servant who opened the door and who at once recognized algernon stared in surprise on seeing him but was too well trained to express emotion in any other way after a few inquiries about lord seely's health algernon asked if he could be allowed to see his lordship this however was a difficult matter my lord was better certainly the footman said but my lady had given strict orders that he was not to be disturbed no one was to be admitted to his room except the doctor who would not make his visit until late in the afternoon oh i shouldn't think of disturbing my lady at this hour said algernon but i must speak with lord seely it is of the very greatest importance i'll call mr briggs sir the footman was beginning when algernon stopped him mr briggs was lord seely's own man and like all the servants in the house was certain to obey his mistress's orders rather than his master's if the two should happen to conflict algernon slipped some money into the footman's hand together with a note which he had written that morning there james said he if you will manage to convey that into his lordship's own hand i know he'll see me and moreover he would be seriously annoyed if i were sent away without having spoken to him on business of very great importance james reflected that the worst that could happen to him would be a scolding from my lady that was certainly no trifling evil but he decided to risk it being moved to do so not only by the bribe but by a real liking for young errington who was generally a favourite with other people's servants the note which james carried upstairs was as follows my lord i write in the driest and most matter-of-fact terms i can find to ask for an interview with your lordship with the least possible delay being unwilling to make or to appear to make any claim on the regard that you once professed for me or on the connection which unites us and desiring you to understand that i appeal to you on behalf of another person and that were it not for that other person i should ask no more favours of your lordship nor perhaps need any a ancrum eddington in a few moments james came running downstairs and begged algernon almost in a whisper to walk up to his lordship's room lord seely was not in bed he was reclining in an easy-chair with one foot and leg supported on cushions he seemed ill and worn but his dark eyes sparkled as he looked eagerly at algernon who entered quietly and closed the door behind him what is it i'm afraid you have bad news ancrum said lord seely holding out his hand algernon did not take it he bowed very gravely and stood opposite to the little nobleman castalia cried lord seely much dismayed by the young man's manner don't keep me in suspense for god's sake is she ill is she dead no my lord castalia is not dead neither so far as i know is she ill in body what is the matter 
i must crave a patient hearing my lord i regret to have to trouble you whilst you are ill and suffering but what i have to say must be said without delay may i ask if there is any one within hearing no no one you can close the door of that dressing-closet if you choose but there is no one there algernon adopted the suggestion at once and then sat down opposite to lord seely's chair his whole manner of proceeding was so unusual and unexpected that it produced a very painful impression on lord seely algernon rather enjoyed this he began to speak with only one distinct purpose in his mind namely to frighten his wife's uncle into making a strong effort to help him out of whitford how much pressure would be necessary to achieve that purpose he could not yet tell and he began to speak with a sort of reckless abandonment of himself to the guidance of the moment a mood of mind which had become very frequent with him of late did your lordship receive a letter from castalia begging you to obtain a post abroad for me certainly my wife answered it i-i was unable to write myself but i intended to reply more at length so soon as i should be better castalia showed me lady seely's reply that was the first intimation i had of castalia's having made such an application i mention this because i know your lordship suspected me of being the prime mover in all her applications to you for assistance lord seely coloured a little as he replied it was natural to suppose that you influenced your wife ancrum your lordship must not judge all cases by your own returned the young man with a candid raising of his brows and the colour on lord seely's face deepened to a dark red flush which faded leaving him paler than before as i said continued algernon i did not know what it was that castalia had asked you to do for us but now that i do know it i may say at once that i heartily concur with her as to its desirability i cannot agree with you there but even if it were so i assure you it is out of my power allow me my lord i must tax your patience to listen to what i have to say before you give me any positive answer lord seely leaned back in his chair and motioned with his head for algernon to proceed the latter went on exile from england and from all the hopes and ambitions not very unnatural at my age is not such an alluring prospect that i should be suspected of having incited castalia to write as she has done however i will say no more as to my own private and personal feelings in the matter i did not mean to allude to them i beg your pardon algernon sat leaning a little forward in his chair his hands were clasped loosely together and rested on his knees he kept his eyes gloomily fixed on the carpet for the most part and only raised them occasionally to look up at lord seely without raising his head at the same time i could not write what i had to say to you my lord i dared not write it perhaps even if i had written the letter might not have reached you at once and i could not wish its falling into other hands so i came away from whitford last night quite suddenly i have no leave of absence the clerk at the post-office even did not know i was coming away do you mean to say ancrum that you have deliberately risked the loss of your situation my situation was as good as lost already do you know what happened yesterday lord seely i was subjected to the agreeable ordeal of a visit from the surveyor of the postal district in which whitford is situated i was catechized magisterially the whole office including my private room was subjected to a sort of scrutiny there have been a great many letters missing at whitford lately some money letters that is to say letters which should have passed through our office have never reached their destination nothing has been traced nothing is known with certainty but the concurrence of various circumstances points to whitford as the place where the letters have been stolen i am told on all hands that such things never happened in mr cooper's time mr cooper was my predecessor as postmaster i am scowled at and almost openly insulted in the streets by a miller or a baker or something of the kind who lives in the neighbourhood he declares he has lost a considerable sum of money by the post and plainly considers me responsible you may guess how pleasant my situation has become in consequence of these things being known and talked about 
but good heavens ancrum i don't comprehend your way of looking at the matter these irregularities are doubtless very distressing but surely your rational course would be to use every effort to discover the cause of them and set matters right not to run away as if you were a culprit your lordship judges without knowing all the facts pardon me ancrum but no facts can justify such rash behaviour i have some experience of men and of the world and i give you my deliberate opinion that you have acted very indiscreetly to say the least i am disappointed in you ancrum i regret to say it but i am disappointed in you you have shown a want of steadiness and-and almost of common sense the more i think of it the more i disapprove of the step you have taken it shows a great want of consideration for others for your wife if you were alone it might be pardonable although excessively ill-judged to throw up your post at the first experience of the rough side of things we all have difficulties to contend with the most exalted position is not secure from them as indeed it would appear almost superfluous to point out the record of my own my own official life might supply you with more than one example of the virtue of steadfast energy and an inflexible determination to conquer antagonistic circumstances poor lord seely he had been subdued by sickness more completely under the dominion of his wife than could ever be the case when he was able to move about to get away from her and to converse with persons who were not entirely devoid of any semblance of respect for his opinion lady seely it might be said respected nobody a point of resemblance between herself and her young kinsman which had not led to any very great sympathy or harmony between them for as it is your professed joker who can least bear to be laughed at so those persons who most flippantly ignore any sentiment of reverence towards others are by no means prepared to tolerate a want of deference toward themselves certainly my lady had snubbed her husband during his illness almost unmercifully she wished him to get better and she took care that the doctor's orders were faithfully carried out but her course of treatment was anything but soothing to the spirit and my lord's pet vanities received no consideration whatever from her his mind being now relieved from the first shock of apprehension which algernon's sudden visit had occasioned for though things were bad it was a relief to him to find that castalia was safe and well he could not resist the temptation to lecture a little and be pompous and display his suppressed self-esteem with a little more emphasis than usual poor lord seely by doing so he unconsciously drew down a terrible catastrophe it seemed a trivial cause to determine algernon to speak as he next spoke as trivial as the heedless footfall or too loudly spoken word which brings the avalanche toppling down from the rock the selfishness and egotism of the man are incredible thought algernon looking at lord seely not one word of sympathy with me not a syllable to show that my feelings are worthy of any consideration whatever pompous little ass then he said very gravely and quietly i think my lord that you have forgotten what i said to you in the hurried note i sent upstairs about appealing to you on behalf of another person lord seely had forgotten it ha no ancrum i remember what you said but i-i take leave to think that if you wish to consider that other person it is your wife of whom you spoke i presume algernon bowed his head if you wish to consider that person effectually you ought not to have flown off at a tangent in the manner you have done you might-you <coughs> might at least have written to me for advice lord seely i am sorry to say that you are under an entire misapprehension as to the state of the case lord seely was not accustomed to be told that he was under an entire misapprehension on any subject if so ancrum he answered with some hauteur the fault must be yours i believe i should succeed in comprehending any moderately clear and accurate statement i will try to speak plainly during the last six weeks i have been made seriously unhappy by rumours floating about in whitford 
respecting my wife rumours respecting your wife they reach my ears through various channels and appear to be rife in every social circle in the place rumours of what nature there was a little pause then algernon said the least terrible of them is that castalia's reason is affected and that she is not responsible for her actions lord seely started into a more upright posture and then sank back again with a suppressed cry of pain algernon went on without looking up her manner has been very singular of late she has taken to wandering about alone and to make her wanderings as secretly as may be she haunts the post-office in my absence carefully informing herself beforehand whether i am in my private room or not and if i am reported absent she enters it searches the drawers and i have the strongest reason to believe indeed i may say i know that she has tampered with a little cabinet in which i keep a few private papers and taken letters out of it ancram these things my lord are commonly reported and spoken of by every gossiping tongue in whitford i can't help the people talking castalia is not liked there her manners are unpopular and even the persons who were inclined to receive her kindly for my sake have been offended and alienated still the things i have told you are facts i am shocked i am surprised and forgive me ancram a little incredulous you may have listened to malicious tongues you say that my niece is not liked by the the class of persons with whom she now associates and it may be i am sorry to say my lord that castalia cannot be said to associate with any class of persons in whitford for lately it has become plain to me that all our acquaintances have given her the cold shoulder the mingled expression of amazement incredulity and offended pride on lord seely's face when algernon made this announcement did not operate with the latter as an inducement to spare him indeed he had now gone almost too far to stop short he held up his hand to deprecate any interruption and said one moment my lord i must ask you a question have you at any time privately supplied castalia with money unknown to me never i-then lord seely i have only one more circumstance to add castalia the other day paid a bill of considerable amount to a mercer in whitford without my knowledge and without my knowing where she found the money to pay it and yesterday my clerk an honest fellow and much attached to me told me in private and in strict confidence that it was certainly reported in the town that one of the notes paid by my wife to the mercer was endorsed in the same way as a note in one of the missing money letters i have told you of good god ancram what do you mean i told you that the least terrible rumour about castalia was the rumour that her mind was affected lord seely's face was almost lead-coloured he pressed his hands one on each side of his head with a gesture of hopeless bewilderment this is the most appalling thing he murmured and his voice was scarcely audible as he said it i had to make a choice without delay lord seely i regret to inflict this blow on you in your present suffering state of body but if i spared you i could not have spared castalia i chose to spare my wife yes yes quite quite right spare castalia i-i thank you ancram for choosing to spare her rather than me the poor little nobleman's face was convulsed by a kind of spasm for a second or two and then he burst into tears sobbing out with his face hidden in his trembling hands what is to be done gracious heavens what is to be done i talked about choosing to spare castalia said algernon looking at her uncle with a sort of furtive curiosity and a feeling that was more akin to contempt than pity but i don't know how long it may be in my power or any one's power to spare her the only chance for either of us is to get away out of whitford as quickly as possible but-but my head is so confused i am stunned ancram stunned but-what was i going to say oh-oh have you interrogated castalia what representations does she make as to the money there is so much to be said to be asked it cannot be but that there is some error 
it cannot be my poor castalia interrogating castalia would be quite useless worse than useless you don't know what her behaviour and temper have been lately she is utterly unreasonable ask any one who knows our house in whitford ask my servants what my home has been latterly i have bought the honour of your lordship's alliance somewhat dear lord seely sank down in his chair as if he had been struck and his grey head drooped on his breast what can i do ancram he asked in a tone so contrasted in its feebleness with his usual self-assured rather strident voice that it might have touched some persons with compassion what can i do then he seemed to make a strong effort to recover some energy of manner and added if it were not for this unfortunate attack which disables me i would return with you to whitford to-night i would see castalia myself algernon heartily congratulated himself on the fit of gout which kept lord seely a prisoner there was nothing he less desired than that her uncle should be confronted with castalia he represented that the only efficacious help lord seely could give under the circumstances would be to furnish them with money to pay their debts and leave whitford forthwith he pointed out that castalia must have felt this herself when she wrote urging her uncle to get them some post abroad algernon became eager and persuasive as he spoke and offered a glimpse to the man before him whose pride and whose affections were equally wounded of a future which should make some amends for the bitter present a future in which castalia might have peace and safety at last and in which her mind might regain its balance he would be gentle and patient and tender with her and if they were in a position that offered no such temptations as the post-office at whitford the anxiety to all who regarded castalia would be greatly lessened lord seely was as he had said too much stunned by the whole interview to follow algernon's rapid eloquence step by step he felt that he must have some time for reflection besides he was physically exhausted he bade algernon leave him for a time and return later in the day he would give orders that he should be admitted at once you-you have not seen my lady said lord seely hesitatingly no i purposely avoided doing so she would have naturally inquired the cause of my unexpected presence in town and i could speak of all this trouble to nobody on earth but yourself my lord right right ancram but my lady will not fail to learn that you have been here and we must give her some reason i can say if you choose that i came to london on post-office business lord seely bowed his head almost humbly and algernon left him he left him with an air of sombre resignation but inwardly he felt himself to be master of the situation end of chapter fourteen